Hey guys, welcome back. We are already at episode two. I can't believe just a few weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, I had this crazy idea to uh, start a podcast and here we are fixing to drop episode two. Um, I can tell you, I am very pumped about this guest and I'm not going to tell you who it is. You're going to have to stick around to find out, but I'll give you a hint. They live in Washington state and you may ask yourself, how does this relate to hiking and backpacking in Texas? We'll stick around to find out. Welcome to the Trailblazing Texas podcast. We are into episode two. And as I have already stated, I have a very, 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 very special guest. One of my good friends, John, coming all the way from Washington State. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, buddy. So it's so good to be here with you. And, uh, and I'm happy to talk with you. I can say that almost everything that I know about hiking and backpacking comes from this man. He is probably the most experienced hiker backpacker that I've ever met. And I always like when I when I tell people about John, he's like this mythical person, you know, like I'm like, this guy should be a guide like he's the, the stories that he has is, are amazing. So kind of just to kick this off, like, how did you even get into hiking a backpack? Right. So. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Pacific Northwest guy. Uh, I live near the Cascades. I'm about an hour from Mount Rainier National Park, uh, but I was actually born in West Texas. So I'm a, I'm a petroleum baby. My, my, my dad worked in the oil fields as he was putting himself through college and became a uh, uh, reservoir engineer, petroleum engineer. So I, I was actually spent the first 12 years of my life in Midland and Odessa, Texas. Um, so I, my uh, my background of the outdoors uh, was birthed and and started in Texas. And I, as a kid, we used to go on camping trips to the Davis Mountains. Um, uh, nice. I did go, I did go to Big Bend once or twice, and I also went to the Guadalupe's once or twice. But we went to we went to Fort Davis on a very regular basis. I used to be involved in, uh, I believe it was called Royal Rangers, kind of the the Southern Baptist version of the Boy Scouts or something along those lines. And yeah. I can remember many, many, many camping trips to the to the Davis Mountains, and uh, and I remember being it's one of my earliest memories being four or five, and we 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 hiked to the top of one of those mountains, kind of right there on the the peripheral of that campground, and um, you know I've since been back as an as an adult, and I realize they're like five hundred foot tall hills, but <laughs> but as a as a six year old or a five year old or whatever it may have been, um, the experience of uh, of, of of struggling to get to the top of that thing and then the elation of of making it to the top and and seeing what you could see was uh was something that got a hold of me as a as a very young kid and and hasn't let go since yeah you know like the times that i've been able to spin with you um i can always tell when you talk about the davis mountains and your grandfather and, and the trips that y'all had like there's a little twinkle in your eyes so like you know I can tell that those times were, were very, very special. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I went back for the first time here about five or six years ago. It had been 30 years since I had been in the Davis mountains. And it was, uh, it was, uh, it was an emotional experience to, to say the least. I got to, got to drive back in there with, uh, 
with Megan and and uh, she loves to say that she wants to see me see places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh and yeah, it was a it was almost like a quasi religious experience being yeah. being back in there and and seeing stuff that's so far back, you know, 3 decades ago and yet a familiarity to it. And, uh, I mean, it's like that park bench. I think you said that this was the park bench that that you and your grandfather sat at, or or by you know. So yeah, yeah I have a uh, I have a uh, all my life. Uh, people have always marveled at my memory, but but I I remember precise rocks and precise benches and things that happens to me all the time in the Cascades. Well, Megan and I will be hiking, and I'll be like, oh yeah, I remember. I remember when me and my mom sat on that rock back in 2007 or something or another along those lines. But, uh, but yeah, place, place and geography and, uh, have always been, uh, have always been kind of uh, memory markers for me. Yeah. And I know like over the years and, and us having the discussions, hiking and backpacking and also like you, you doing it solo, I think means a lot to you and just to be able to get away and just, kind of like i don't know i don't know if it's release is the right word but just to to just be in the mountains and yeah do you find that that the majority of your hiking and backpacking revolves around solo or or, or is it pretty much you know like family friends and yeah um it, you know it varies from year to year but uh but i definitely do sometimes have a have an urge or a need to go to the mountains alone um i'm a I'm a highly introverted person. Yeah. Um, you've heard me say this before, but I'll, I'll repeat it. I, I love it. It's, we, we, we have two, two words in the English language that we, uh, that we use to describe the, uh, the experience of, of being alone. Um, when we want to talk about how it's bad or it's, or it's, or it's not fun, we say I'm lonely. And then when we, when we want to talk about being alone in a way that is positive, we say solitude. And, uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm definitely one of those. I mean, I can. Ex I think all people can experience solitude, and all people can experience loneliness. But I am a, I am one of those one of those people where my uh, my solitude portion of the pie is much larger than my than my lonely than my lonely piece. But uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it certainly going to the mountains with uh, with one or two or three or four, you know, a small group of people that I have a uh, an intense friendship with. Uh, it uh it most certainly you know fosters that to be even even stronger and, and 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 to grow with one another as you pretty much spend 24 hours a day with each other you know when you're in the yeah. when you're in the mountains that's especially true of climbing where you're literally tied together by a by a rope but uh it, it sometimes you actually on these trips you know like i've you you share some very intimate moments like uh like you know henning who i'm i usually hike with now like you know we don't realize he's around the corner uh using the restroom and we walk around the corner like whoa hey yeah um, yeah there's so times yeah, there's times there's times where that kind of stuff you know happens where you just can't like you literally like safely you can't there is no such thing as privacy so <coughs> oh absolutely yeah so <laughs> so there is a bond between uh hikers and backpackers for sure mm -hmm. and you know it's funny that i say that that getting to know you that that you know you're probably the most experienced hiker backpacker that i ever met but i think there's probably one other that that might equal you and that's your mom and i never got to meet her but 
the stories that you would share about y'all's adventures and about her just like she was always hiking and backpacking. Yeah, it she seemed, you know, like <laughs> and she had she had the same passion that I had for it. Um the the big difference between me and her is my my career, my my job that I work just doesn't afford me quite as much time to get into the mountains as hers did. She was a uh she was a school teacher for the last couple of decades of her life. So she had, you know, what eight, nine, ten weeks off, whatever it is, in the summertime yeah. and then, you know, all of the holidays and and that kind of stuff. And so she just she got into the mountains probably more than I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so you know I have a favorite story and you have to share this story. And like, <laughs> but you have to set it up like like you know, like yeah, set it up and and, and deliver that. This is my favorite story ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mother, um, she was you know, we're all we're all afraid of things and everybody feels fear when they when they go on hikes or go into the mountains and, and appropriately so you know they are they are a dangerous place where things can happen um but very oftentimes as human beings we're not necessarily rational about our about our fears and one of the things that my my mother was acutely afraid of was was bears which you know bears do sometimes kill or injure people but it's exceedingly rare statistically no. Um, but, uh, that was one thing she was afraid of. One thing she was not afraid of, however, was, uh, storms <laughs> and, and, and wind and, and so on and so forth. And here in the Pacific Northwest where I live, you know, every people that aren't from here, the thing you immediately think about when somebody says Seattle or Portland is you think of rain and, and rightfully so it is, it yep. is very wet. Um, our weather patterns tend to be, you know, dominated throughout the, uh, throughout the, uh, all three seasons other than summer by the jet stream and it tends to point right at western washington so we do get a lot of rain um and then because of that the you know as that as those systems come across the out of the pacific and and over land they uh, as they run into the cascades they you know the air of course it rises and then the they get a lot of snow and so the cascades are known for snow well that also equals wind storms <laughs> as those systems push in, they tend to funnel through the passes. And, and so we have uh, uh, on the Western slopes where a lot of our hiking trails are, uh, it can be extremely windy. You can get some pretty extreme windstorms during the winter time. And there was this one particular occasion where a windstorm had been issued. Um, they had already, I mean, they, sh they shut down the, the floating bridge heading east out of, out of Seattle across Lake Washington, which is something they do when it gets really bad windy. Uh, just so that trucks don't get blown over and everything. And there had been a, a high wind warning in effect that morning. And my mother decides to to drive when up. You to, say, when you say high wind warning, that means like the news is saying, don't go out. Yeah. Uh, you know, like it's not just like. Uh, yeah. Wind sustained at 50 and gusts, you know, <laughs> 70, 80, 90, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and in pockets in the mountains, depending on where you're at and depending on how the water, you know, or how the wind funnels through passes and stuff, it can be much worse. Um, and so my mom decides it's a good idea to go on a hike. <laughs> um, I, we talked fairly regularly, but I, I didn't actually know that she had done that that morning. Um, but she gets up there and she's in the, in the woods, which a lot of the, um, just to kind of explain the geography of, of Western Washington, for those who might not be familiar, this is, you know, ra rainforest. We have lots of trees, um, large dug fir forests and, tree line in washington tends to start about five thousand feet five six thousand feet but most of our hiking trails at least the ones you would do during the winter time are, 
are going to be lower down. You know, maybe you park at 1,000 feet and you top out at 5,000 feet, something along those lines. But so you're hiking in the woods and mm-hmm. she's in the woods and, and the predicted windstorm shows up just like it was predicted. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that is dangerous. Um, her uh, bears statistically are not dangerous, <laughs> but being in a forest during the windstorm is very dangerous. Uh, Trees start getting blown over. Lots and lots and lots and lots of uh, branches will get snapped off. And I mean, you can you can go into the into the woods on a, on a hike a day or two after a windstorm, and I mean, it just looks like a bomb went off. With with yeah. you might have a you might have a mile <clears throat> section of trail that has you know twenty seven trees down that have to be cut up with chainsaws and the trail cleared, and, and there's just nowhere to hide, you know. And so anyway, she calls my sister, my, my sister's a military family. Um, they've since they're, they're out now, but they were still active duty at the time. And, and, uh, my sister calls me and then I call my mom and I can barely hear the wind is howling so, so loudly she calls in the you in, on a trail in the middle of the storm, uh, on a trail in the middle of the storm. I can literally hear snapping and cracking and popping in the background. And I'm like, mom, what are you doing? What are you thinking? <laughs> like, <laughs> and there's nothing. There's nowhere to, I mean, you're in a forest, you know, and, and, and the scary thing is all the trees, but there's nothing but trees. So you can't, you know, all you, all you can do is either hurry down or hurry up, you know, to try to get above, above tree line, but that's it. You're just a sitting duck. And so my sister is in a full blown panic and I'm packing a backpack and getting, you know, like throwing it in the car and I'm, that's two hours away for me. So I'm getting ready to try to drive up north, and uh, I think I did actually end up getting in the car and making it about halfway. And I finally get a a call from her at the trailhead that she had made it out. I'm just like, "Mom, what is the matter with you?" So, did you ground her after that? <laughs> uh, I didn't really have that kind of relationship with her, but my sister definitely did. And yeah, my my sister was on her about <laughs> about that kind of stuff for quite a few months after the fact. But uh, oh man, yeah, yeah that, I, I just that was my mother. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, but yeah, I mean, just like it seemed like she was always out on the trails, for, you know, from just listening to the stories that you have, and oh, there was, how much there was she, no such thing as weather that kept her out of the mountains. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, the pictures that you shared, like she's in, you know, snow and stuff that you would think like like an older person would just wouldn't do, and she's like slaying it, you know, peaks yeah. and oh, yeah. snow and crampons and all this kind of stuff so yeah she was um my favorite story about my mom was actually a summertime trip it was it was july and she had a a hiking partner that she had just incidentally met in the mountains just like i incidentally met you in the mountains actually and uh he was a young fella a young single hispanic guy named named caesar who was in his early 20s at the time and they ended up being um hiking partners for i don't know almost 10 years before she before she got cancer and passed away but but i do remember one particular summertime trip where we did a a hard hike along uh, up near snoqualmie pass on i-90 uh called deception deception mountain it has over four thousand feet of elevation gain and i want to say it was like a it was like 101 or 102 degrees that day it was very it was brutally hot and i remember sitting there on the summit and thinking about it and I realized that she was older than me and Caesar combined. Yeah. And she had done a, a, a hike with 4,500 feet of elevation gain and 100 degree weather with the two And of probably us. beat y'all to the peak. <laughs> and it was just, uh, it was just kind of this incredible. It was, you know, I always knew my mom was tough, but sometimes you don't realize a thing when you're around it all the time. 
Yeah. But it was uh, it was one of those moments where we were sitting on the summit and I was just kind of glancing over at her and I just realized, man, my my mother's pretty exceptional, actually. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. And it's funny that you bring it up, like how her and Caesar met in the mountains and we met in the mountains. Yeah. Like I can remember, you know, this is the second time that I was in Guadalupe Mountains with Lori and we were going up Tejas. And we were going to do Hunter's Peak. And, you know, I, I had done some research and they said, you know, going up Bear Canyon was hard and probably Tejas would be a little bit easier. And I remember going up Tejas and then seeing you guys, all three of you, like way down there. Like, and I'm just thinking like, oh, look, look, those people are way, way down there. And I've never claimed that I was in ever good shape. And um, I, I just remember thinking, like, oh, yeah, they're not going to catch us. And then, like, it seemed like, like 10 minutes later, there you guys are, you're passing us. You know, like, we're taking a break, and you guys are passing it. And I don't, I don't think at that time we talked just like, hey, how's it going? And then when you passed us, y'all kind of rounded a corner, and I guess you guys, it was some shade, and you guys decided to uh, to take a break. And then, you know, we started hiking again, and probably you know a few minutes we caught up to you guys and we already needed another break so we we kind of like took a break with you guys and just started talking and like you know it's just funny that how this relationship kind of kicked off like if we would have kept walking you know we we wouldn't be sitting here today um so what made you guys come down to guadalupe mountains that time i mean like you know we were up in washington and 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 mm -hmm. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. And so incidentally, like when you say you guys, he's he's referring to me and my wife, Megan, and our and our friend, Mike. Um, and I actually met I met Megan in the mountains in 2014. Megan met Mike in the mountains in 2015. And then I believe it was 17 or 18 when we met you and Lori. So yeah, literally, literally all of us met each other because we other happened to just run into each other in the mountains. Um, but uh, I, I just, uh, Megan and I are, uh, we're passionate about public lands and national parks and national monuments. And it's just a thing that we've always loved to do with our vacation is to, uh, uh, sometimes we do kind of more of like a car camping type of a style. Other times we're, you know, backpacking or even, you know, mountaineering and climbing, but we just love visiting national parks. Yeah. And uh, I had no recollections of visiting Guadalupe. Um, I do have pictures of myself there. Um, when I was like two and three with my grandfather. Uh, but I wa just wanted to go and, and experience it as an adult. And, you know, we had a list of like, I don't know, three or four or five national parks that were kind of the, you know, the, the next, the next on the to-do list. And, yeah. and uh, I don't really recall why we picked Guadalupe specifically that year, but uh, I well, in part, I wanted to bring Megan to the Davis mountains too. Um, and so it just kind of ended up being a, a, a two for one, but, uh, but yeah, that's how we ended up in, in West Texas. And what was that? I think it was right around Thanksgiving that year. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you know what I, I always remember <clears throat> from that trip and I, I still use it to this very day is how to take that panoramic photo and being on the bookends <laughs> of the photo. You taught yeah. us that. Yeah. Start at one end, then run behind the person yeah. and get to the other end. Yeah. Yeah. We still use that. And people still ask me, how'd you do that? 
photography photography is a huge part of my life and it's always been part of part of my love of the mountains as i i've always loved uh photography i've I've branched out of course as you know and do all sorts of other types and genres of photography but but uh photography is always part of uh the mountains and and absolutely camping and climbing and backpacking and and uh just observing the beauty and and enjoying the beauty of of what god has made um i i often Megan asked me very often, like, what's, you know, what's, what's the most beautiful place I've ever been to? And, and I do often tell her actually the, the mountains of West Texas, incidentally yeah. enough, you know, and I, and I live, I'm a two hour drive from Olympic National Park and yes. two hour drive from Mount Rainier National Park. So, I mean, I live in some, I live in some places that are, you know, uh, acutely beautiful, beautiful yeah. and, and will often be listed on, you know, whatever the, the, the top 10 <laughs> destinations in North America or what have you. But, uh, and and they are like you know the wildflower meadows uh, when the snow finally melts out in in july in mount rainier national park are are acutely beautiful they're beautiful in the kind of way that'll that'll take your breath away but there's something about those uh, wide open and empty uh, desert mountain landscapes that you get in in guadalupe or out in the chisos and big bend that are uh, they don't they don't take take your breath away immediately the way that a mount rainier will but I don't know. I think they're just as beautiful if you sit a while. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, like I've lived in Texas my whole life and only till about about eight years ago did I realize we have mountains <laughs> and we have such beauty in the state. Yeah. Yeah. I through through my friendship with you and our well, really, honestly, our being friends on Facebook as you've as you've endeavored to start to visit all these various state parks and, and, and natural areas in Texas. I've There's been several times where I'm like, that isn't texas that's got to be prescott arizona or something like what yeah <laughs> absolutely and i and there's places you know i lived in texas for 12 years but i rarely left the western part of the state uh, for many reasons but uh but uh, yeah i just didn't realize uh, some of the diverse beauty that texas has yeah and so after that trip somehow i talked you guys into coming back to texas because i had a quest to bag all the guadalupe peak or the Guadalupe Mountains name peaks, and um, and you guys took some time out of your 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 day, your your year vacation, and came all the way back down to Texas. Um, that was a, a an amazing trip for me. Um, and there's a a couple of things that that I I came away from that trip. <clears throat> First off, you don't let us take a break. So Megan and I were mad. Like I looked at her and I was like, so we're, we're, we're all, we're doing Bush peak. Cause that's one of the peaks that, that, uh, was in the plans. Yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's a, what is it about 14, 15 mile round trip? It's hard to get to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of out there. You know, you, you, you kind of think of the layout of Guadalupe. You kind of got, you know, one entrance at the top and one in the bottom and one over the side and Bush is kind of nowhere near any of it. Yeah, absolutely. And and then you got to go up like five or six peaks, smaller peaks to get out there to it. And I remember like, and, and absolutely, you know, your experience, you don't want to stop and rest for very long because you start to get cold. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and out there it, it gets pretty cold. But I can just remember looking at Megan and I go, is he always like this? Like he doesn't ever let us take a break. And she's like, no, <laughs> she goes, you're lucky to get three or four minutes and then it's time to go. Yeah. Um, 
I'm not a I'm not a fat I'm not a fast guy. I mean I can hike fast and I I did briefly get into trail running and that kind of stuff, but I yeah I I, I don't you know I, I'm not a I'm not let's go really fast, but I am kind of uh let's get a consistent pace and hold it for long periods yeah. of time, I I suppose. And then you know, and, and it's it's funny, like some of the stuff that I still use today, um, like when you were saying kind of like if you're leading a group, you know, to listen to the people behind you, their breath. Yeah. And, and, and and get in tune with that and you know then that'll dictate what pace you should be at or carrying on a conversation and if they can talk then the pace is good if, if they're struggling to talk then you know maybe slow down so i you know i i use a lot of the stuff that you taught me and and just kind of going through there <clears throat> but what's funny is we get to the campsite so you know i get to see john and megan i'm so excited um and you know, you pull out this four seasoned palace, and you know, you set it up, and this thing, it looks like you would take this on um uh Everest or something. I mean, just an amazing tent. And I have my very first backpacking tent. It was like a a $70 gear top, uh, you know, trekking yeah. pole, single trekking pole tent. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, and even now, like I have some nice tents, but like to the, because of the wind at Guadalupe, you know, 60, 70, 80 miles an hour, like I'm scared to take my duplex or my big Agnes. <clears throat> so, you know, that's all I had at the time. And I, I set it up and I'm so proud of it. And um, that night, man, the wind was crazy. Mm hmm. Like, yeah, I don't know the, what it was the second worst wind I've ever been in. in a tent. Yeah. And I don't know what the gusts were. I just remember the one time the gust i mean you could hear it is it like a train coming through the little canyon and then all of a sudden it hit us and uh i mean it was like an explosion <clears throat> and i just remember you know it's probably what two three in the morning and i just remember you saying jason are you okay <laughs> <laughs> like just because the wind you know hit yeah. so hard that you know yep. probably you were thinking my tent would have ripped up or broke my yeah. trekking pole or something but man it was crazy yeah the winds were at the point where like seams were going to start to start to pull apart and yeah it was <clears throat> it was very 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 windy and i think that also altered us from camping at, i think we were going to do camp out on um i don't remember if it was bush or pine top but we canceled it because of the winds yeah bush bush camp we were looking yeah. at the wind forecasts and i want to say they were predicting like 60 and 70 miles an hour down at a down at pine springs but it was nearing a hundred up there at, at at bush and i was like i've i know that that's that's going to basically pin you on the ground rolled up in your rolled up in your tent like you would roll up a burrito or something with the tortilla and it would be a uh i wouldn't i mean you're not going to die but it would be a very miserable night <laughs> man and you know like before i started uh hiking these elevations you know starting at three in the four in the morning um, you know, I used to go kind of like at a normal time and you would get the people coming down and yeah, I mean, their tent stakes would be broke, um, tents ripped apart during the middle of the night. So yeah, there's no joke with the wind. Yeah, you really there. need, you really need three seasons. Yeah. That's a, a little bit of, a little bit of advice if you're headed to Guadalupe mountains. Um, and of course it varies, you know, it's not always windy, but, but you can definitely encounter winds there where a three season tent is a necessity and a, and a, and a four season tent might be nice. Yeah. 
I had a, I, that particular tent that Jason mentioned. Uh, it was a it was a four season mountaineering tent that was basically yeah. made for the Alaska Range. Yeah, no, the the poles would look at Guadalupe wind and laugh like they're yeah. not going to get they're not going to get yeah. messed up at all. Yeah, that, I mean that tent was heavy. Like it's not the kind of thing you're going to go backpacking with and for, <laughs> in, in normal conditions. But yeah, but uh, in a in a place where you're car camping and it's that windy, it is a uh, it is very nice to have. And I also remember like our last day, if I'm not mistaken, we were going to do El Capitan Peak and then kind of like when we were finished, uh, leave. <clears throat> so we get up that morning, you know, probably three thirty, four in the morning, start cooking breakfast and all that. And then we start hiking. And El Cap, for those that you don't know, it's uh, it's off trail. So you head up Guadalupe Peak Trail and then you, right as you get up to Guadalupe Peak, you kind of come off trail. and um, it's the it's the rock face that you see coming into the park from Van Horn, and it's steep. It's it's no joke. Like, and uh, so we were gonna bag that one, and I would have only attempted it uh, with John and maybe one or two other people, you know, because of the experience. But so, <clears throat> if you've never hiked Guadalupe Peak, so we start up Guadalupe Peak, and the first part of Guadalupe Peak, I would say the first three-fourths of a mile to mile is probably the most difficult. And so right when we finish the hardest part of Guadalupe Peak, you just all of a sudden get sick. You fall to your knees and, and get sick, like to your stomach. And I just remember thinking, like, could you have not gotten sick, you know, like 30 minutes before this? <laughs> like, we just finished the hardest part and, and then, you know, you got sick. And so I was kind of giggling to myself, like, oh, you should have done you should have gotten sick before uh you know we finished the hard part. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I still to this day don't know crazy. what happened. It was it was relatively short-lived. I felt I felt catastrophically awful for three, four hours, and then it kind of lingered for about 24 hours. But then the next day I was I was okay. Some sort of a stomach thing. Um Man, I'm, you ass look... I'm assuming I ate something bad, but yeah. I never did never did figure out what that was. But yeah, I was I was I was definitely vomiting and it was pretty Yeah, nasty. you didn't look good. I mean, as soon as you turn to me and you go, I don't feel good, I'm like, Yeah, let's turn around because yeah, you're not looking good. Yeah. Yeah, that but was that... that was a big bummer, but uh but uh you did end up you did end up going on to doing it another day. Yeah, and I met I met an experienced hiker that we are friends to this day named Sam out of New Mexico. Yeah. Uh, we met because he had a hyperlight backpack like me, and I'm like, oh, you must be an experienced guy. And we started talking, and um, yeah. so now like all all uh, you know, even hiking in Colorado, you know, he'll come and visit. Um, you know, great guy, and you know, another wonderful person that you meet in the mountains. Yeah. Oh yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And that's I. I, uh, you and I are very similar in that you, you love, you know, Guadalupe mountains is your place. It's, it's, oh, I, re I, re I refer to it as your park. That's Jason's yep. park. <laughs> yes. and, and you love to go back over and over and over again and, and, and go to new places that others haven't been and, and, and rehike the same trail that you've done before, but do it again. And it's always a different experience every time. Um, yep, yep. maybe the weather's different or maybe you're alone versus with someone or, or whatever it may be. And, and uh, I'm like that with uh, with Mount Rainier. Um, I think I've been well. I've been taking trips to Mount Rainier since I was 12 or 13 years old. But I've probably been, who even knows? I don't know. Probably more than 300 times, maybe 400 times over the last two and a half decades. So, 
So your uh, your kind of your experience with the Guadalupe Mountains as uh, as I've watched it unravel and yeah and uh, and expand uh, the last few years reminds me very much of my own up here in the Cascades. Yeah, and you've even taken me to Rainier a couple times, and I remember the one time in April when the snow was still there. We got, I guess it was just below the mere snow fields. And there's that very, very steep part to get up to the part. And like, I backed out, like I got up, yeah. I don't know, maybe halfway. Yeah. And I don't know, it was because I was afraid, but certainly I couldn't focus on what I was doing because like, I've never been in snow doing that. I have an ice axe and, and like everything was just spinning mm-hmm. in my head. And I'm like, yeah, this is probably not a safe. Like if I could focus on what I was doing, then probably wouldn't have been a big deal, but I couldn't focus. And, you know, and I'm like, you know, I have micro spikes and I'm stepping on these type, this snow condition and I'm not understanding what should I expect with the snow? Is it going to be slippery? Is there a chance that I'm going to post hole? Like it was all just going in my head and I'm like, all right. Yeah. And you even said, you go, are you sure you want to go up? And I'm like, nope. (laughs) So we turned back, we turned back down. And the same thing happened to me in Colorado when I was coming off Tory's Peak to, you know, so we did Gray's and then we did Tory's and then coming off of Tory's, there was, man, it had to have been a two to three foot drop. And you're just walking on this like eight inches of snow traverse. Yeah. And um, yeah. And man, I was like, I was dying. And what was funny is there was a lady ahead of me hiking and she was from the woodlands, which is north of like. 10 minutes north of me she had no idea you know how to hike this stuff so i'm like have my trekking poles and i'm sticking them like an ice axe and then take a step and then stick like an ice axe and then you have these local yahoos that are as you're going like as you're going they're trying to walk on the same trail as you knowing that it's only this wide and like then they're like trying to step up on the mountain to go around you and if they slip they're going to take you off and you all are falling down the mountain yeah oh man <laughs> yeah i thought one guy was going to fight one of these little kids but he, you know he was started yelling at the kid but yeah i was uh i made it you know we're, we're here today on a podcast but yeah that was uh you know the different terrains and stuff for sure like um you know i you definitely need experience on them for sure yeah exposure's a exposure is a funny thing it's 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 uh it's odd how just a little something can take a thing and and it'll it'll make it from feeling fine to feeling very scary um oh yeah sometimes it might just be the wind the difference between it being calm and being windy nothing else changed Mm -hmm. but with when with that wind it makes you feel afraid and what's uh, yeah what's funny is like i show people pictures of that traverse and i'm like and it doesn't look scary and i'm like no it was you can't see how steep this is and how far the no, it, drop. It, it looks, and then scary, I show to, it the looks scary to me. I know enough to know. <laughs> yeah. And then I show him the picture of the whole thing and it still doesn't even really look scary. And I'm like, no, I promise it was scary. It was yeah. deadly. And on, on snow like that, so much depends upon the condition of the snow, you know, how yeah. how, how firm it is. Um, as as snow, you know, very early in the morning where it, when it's mostly frozen, Um, if you were to slip and fall and then our, you know, the types of clothes that we tend to wear in the mountains, like our, our, our rain gear or our Gore-Tex jackets, they tend to be very slippery on ice. And so 
if you were to slip and fall on that stuff at eight o'clock in the morning, you know, it wouldn't have to be much of an angle at all. And you could really start sliding out of control. Yeah. Uh, but, but you fast forward four or five hours and let the, you know, the warmth of the day start to warm that snow up to where you sink in it just a little bit. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden now, like you could hardly like, you could hardly slide down the mountain, even if you wanted to, you just, you mm. just fall in the snow. Um, and so the difference of, uh, the difference of just three or four or five hours sometimes can, can make a thing go from, from very dangerous, uh, to quite mellow. Yeah. And I remember you, when we were doing that, you're like, okay, we need to look out for this because of avalanche. And I'm like, Ava, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, what are you, what are you bringing me out here? Are you, I'm going to die. <laughs> No, and I like even at Guadalupe Mountains, I've been in two snowstorms. One, it was really bad. Um, and, you know, and then being the more experienced hiker with, the, you know, from the person that I brought out there, you know, you you start questioning things like, hey, you know, can I make it up and back and the tracks won't be covered up and I can, you know, figure out how to get back, um, you yeah. know, like all in and, and if my phone lost the chart, you know, so you start running through all these things. Um, you know, and then also, you know, there's some exposure on Guadalupe in a couple of places that you don't want to slip mm -hmm. like, you know, cause you know, the rock and then the, having that ice and snow on it. And, um, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, sure. uh, it's a big responsibility and I, I don't think I'm going to do a, a, an episode. I don't know if it's the next one about just hiker safety. And I don't think that we often think when we step on a trail that, that, there's a danger. I don't care if it's a neighborhood hike. I don't care if it's like, there's things that can happen. And I, sometimes I think that we, we lose uh, us as we, as, as hikers, we lose sight of that, that, you know, it's, 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 it's not a, a joke. Yeah. A funny thing happens when you, when you come to really, really, truly love whatever it is, the, the, the ridge, the mountains, the woods, the outdoors, the, the, the lake shore, as you start to think that, well, there, you know, this thing that I love so much couldn't possibly hurt me, <laughs> but that's, uh, you know, because it brings so much good to my life and it does, you know, those, yeah. those, those things do bring a ton of good to your life, but yeah, they can actually, actually very much hurt you. Um, yeah. And especially if you don't think through what could happen and what are you going to do? It, mm -hmm. it seems like, you know, reading the books that, that we read and people uh, making mistakes and, and it seems like these mistakes just get compounded. It's one bad decision and another bad decision. And they just kind of like foster, yep. you know, if, if you're not prepared, you just start like making things that, that normally you probably wouldn't make if you would have sat and said, OK, yep. if this happens, this or if this happens, this. Yeah, you need to you need to be able to you need to understand what's outside of yourself. You know, that's bears, trees, floods, avalanches, <laughs> wind, weather. Um, and then you need to be able to understand yourself because yeah. when you like a scenario that you just mentioned, where one bad decision can then lead to another bad decision, you need to need to understand yourself and you need to understand how we as, as human beings uh, behave when we're afraid. Um, I mean, so a, a classic one that we're probably all aware of is, is the fight or flight response. Yeah. Um, when, when the wheels start coming off the proverbial bus, we, we, as humans, we do all experience a, a, a fight or flight response. And that's very often when, you know, really poor decisions start to be made, um, in the mountains when you, when you allow that to happen. And so, and so a lot of times, you know, being in dicey situations in the mountains is really 
understanding that that the fear is there and it's going to happen and you know and fear is a good thing it's it yeah. sort of ke keeps us from hurting ourselves uh, but then but then knowing knowing yourself well enough to to channel it into in, into something that is wise and intelligent yeah. rather than rather than rash yeah. all right so let's say i say john <clears throat> come down to texas where are you going to go where do you want us to go state park <laughs> national park what's it going to be you know, this one might surprise you, um, but this is the one that I went to more than anything else, even more than uh, Fort Davis. I'd love to go to Fort Davis with you, brother. Um, my my friendship with you means so much to me, and that's where you know my love of the mountains began. I would I would love to to make a trip there with you someday. But uh, but I'm actually going to save the Monahan's Sandhills uh, State really? Park. Yeah, they're on. I have never I been. It is on my bucket list, though. Is that on I-10 or I-20? I can't recall. Is God. 20 the one that goes all the way to Houston? Uh, I-10. Okay, so it's it's 20 then. So you, if yeah. you're if you're headed east on 10 out of the Guadalupe's and you're headed back towards Houston, and then you take that, you hang a left on 20 there, like you're going to go yeah. up to Midland, Odessa. It's about a half hour before you get to Midland, Odessa. So I, I grew up going there with my grandparents, um, and I can remember climbing climbing those sand dunes and and this was only like a half hour from my house. Um, I don't even know if it was full half hour. It might have only been like twenty five minutes from where I yeah. from where I lived. And so the I can remember picnics and and playing with my cousins and camping there. And uh, uh, it is uh, it, it's like a little miniature version of White Sands yeah, <laughs> National yeah. Park in New Mexico, <laughs> but just kind of out there in the in the middle of West Texas. And so. I would say that one just for just for nostalgic reasons. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we so that means we have to do it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I would love to. I would absolutely love to go there with you. Yeah. You know, it's so, not the kind of it's not the kind of place you're going to stay a week, but it's it's certainly the place uh, a great place to, you know, to spend the afternoon or maybe, you know, maybe sunset or something on on your way home from yeah. from from Guadalupe or from And we Guadalupe. still have to do El Capitan too. We do. Yeah. I re I really want to I mean I loved your, you know, your project of the highest eight peaks. And I really want to do that traverse from, from Bush to Guadalupe. I think it can be done in a day, but, uh, well, I think you did it in a day, didn't we you? We did it well, in a day. Well, you Man. didn't do Bush. You didn't do Bush though, did you? Well, they or did Bush. Gonna... Okay. And I was like, forget y'all. I'm sitting right here on the trail and I'll wait okay. for you because <laughs> yeah. I've already done it and I'm already dead. Yeah. Yeah. That, that hike, it's called the quad quad. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, we did it. We left at three in the morning and then got back about eight thirty, nine o'clock at night. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, let me, I remember speaking with Lori on the, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. that evening. And yeah, she was mad that, yeah. And, I remember, I remember reverse that, engineering your, uh, your yeah. route actually, because you had posted, you had had service and you had posted and sent me a text from the yeah. summit of Guadalupe which, mm -hmm. you know, that was all, that was all on trail to get there. And then yep. I knew, I knew you were leaving trail from then. And I had the, you know, I had the topo maps and everything. So I could, I could look at the route and I knew that you were going to be probably hard pressed to go more than a mile an hour. And so I kind of plotted it all out and I was doing the math and telling Lori, you know, I don't think we, we don't have anything to worry about yet. And, you know, my, yeah. my, my math is telling me that he's probably approaching, you know, the, the bush saddle right there right about now so i think that we you know we should be able to give him a, at least an hour before we're gonna he's gonna start to pick service up there on uh, uh i don't remember whether you were going down tejas or bear canyon but i knew you'd find service on one of them on the way down 
Yeah, and we didn't do it probably the best way. Like we lost all the elevation we gained for each peak. And what was really crappy is from Schumar to Bartlett, uh, I wanted to walk down almost, you know, the 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 dry riverbed with Devil's Hall. Correct. Yeah. I mean, Devil's I've never Hall, done it, but I'm aware yeah, of it. Yeah, but Devil's Hall goes all the way back there, like that 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 kind of wash. Sure. And I wanted to walk the wash and go up the finger because I could see that it was a steady climb. And they're like, no, 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 let's just go up here and then we'll cut across. Well, that cut across, you're about four or 500 feet and it's, it's steep. I don't know what, what, I mean, it's, it's steep and where like, if you slip, you're in trouble. Yeah, high, and, um, high consequence fall. Yeah, yeah. And I'm grabbing bushes and walking across. And of course, everybody's laughing like, uh, huh, huh. and I'm like, man, <laughs> I hate y'all. And, you know, and I'm, <laughs> I'm the oldest. I'm, you know, I was, I think then. 48 49 everybody else is in their 30s so yeah they're not they're not uh taking it easy on me for sure <laughs> so out of all your experiences hiking in texas what's your favorite trail hmm. probably the window um yeah i'll try not that's to get your... emotion try not to get emotional on this one but this is that's I've been there with the most people, uh, the window in Big Bend there in the Chisos Mountains, just the mm -hmm. kind of a trail right there on the bottom side of the of the campground that goes down the bowl to where the wash is, the pour off. Um, but the main reason is, is I've been there quite a few times with my mother. My mother passed away of cancer relatively young. I believe she was 61 or 62 in 2018. And then I also, my my son passed away a couple of years ago, just a few days after his 22nd birthday. But when he was 15, uh, we took a we took a trip down to Big Bend together, the three of us. Uh, we also went to the Davis Mountains, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah. And I have I have photos of me and my mom and my son uh, there on that on that window trail, and then Fort Davis, and I still pull those out and look at those from time to time. It's the strangest thing that I'm the only one left, but but. Uh, but yeah, that's the one that uh, I think that's the one that sticks out to me the most. Yeah. And, you know, I remember um, when your mom found out it was we were to get like we were in Guadalupe. Like, yeah, messaged this, you. there's this strange connection that I make in my mind between Jason <laughs> uh, that I'm talking to here right now and, and, and my mother. I know you never met her, but but it was the the day that I met you was the day that she called me to tell me she had cancer. Um, yeah. I remember, I remember getting the, having a voicemail and then like walking around Pine Springs until I found just enough service to try to like get a call through and talk to her for like five minutes. And I went back and, and, uh, my, Mike and Megan were like, what's wrong? And I, I don't know. I kind of, she had had cancer before and beat it before. And I just assumed no. it was going to be that again, but it did, it did end up being that. But. Yeah. Well, <laughs> to kind of, to wrap this up. You know, I can't not have a conversation with you and have a a um, North Cascades story. Sure. And and just to let all the listeners know, so like Rainier is John's place, Guadalupe's my place. The North Cascades, I think, is a a very close second in John's uh, love mm -hmm. uh, areas and. Um, so like kind of to, 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 you know, you do some really crazy, crazy stuff. 
to me, crazy to you, probably normal where you're out in the middle of absolutely nowhere and you, you, there's decisions that have to be made that are, you know, like, like the time. And I've never even thought about it, that if we take one more step forward, we have to keep going forward. We, we can't come back, you know, mm -hmm. like, like some of these things that, you know, and some of the experience that you've described um, and even talking to Megan that, you know, it's, you're drenched, it's 30 degrees and, and you're out in the middle of nowhere and, and, and you can't afford to make a wrong decision. Yeah. And so that, yeah, so I have to have a, I have, you know, <laughs> the stories that I love, I have to have one. Yeah. Yeah. There's several. Um, so just to describe the North Cascades. So these, these are the Canadian border. So this is, uh, if you go on those national parks lists that we've mentioned before, um, if you happen to, if you happen to go on one of the lists that has like the least visited, like, you know, what's the least visited national parks and a lot of the ones in Alaska are on the list, but that's just cause you, you know, you gotta fly so far to get to them in a bush plane. But in terms of the ones in the lower 48, Guadalupe is always on the list. Uh, uh, Lassen in Northern California is another one. And that's just cause everybody goes to Yosemite, of course, um, and, and Kings Canyon and so forth. But, uh, one of the other ones is North Cascades. Um, and it's, it is kind of hard to get to it's, it's in Northern Washington, right up by the Canadian border. Uh, there's almost no roads there. Um, there's quite a few places where you can see North Cascades National Park from a road, yeah. um, but overwhelmingly you have to walk to get to it. Um, so there's there's only one road in the park, and it's a a gravel unimproved road. And there's some, you know, there's some world famous uh, hiking in North Cascades National Park, but what it is really known for is mountaineering. Um, so this would be the the same kind of the same kind of terrain that you would get in the Alaska Range or in the Himalayas or the Karakoram or the uh, uh, the Alps uh, in in France and Switzerland. Um, in fact, uh, the nickname for North Cascades is is the Alps of North America. It, it looks very similar to what you would see in like Chamonix, France. Um, but it's gr granitic peaks with lots of glaciers. Um, so more than 75% of the remaining glaciers in the lower 48 all exist within North Cascades National Park. So it's a, it's a place of ice and, and, and granite peaks, um, and it's hard to get to. A lot of it is trailless wilderness. Uh, there are hiking trails that you can do there, uh, but much fewer than you get with, with uh, you know, like maybe a Glacier National Park or a Yosemite National Park. Uh, but there are lots of off-trail routes that you can do, and it's uh, it's famous for traverses, um, where you uh, you park. You basically have to have two cars, and you're parking one car at one trailhead, and then you're parking another car at another trailhead, maybe 75 miles away, um, and then you're gonna you're just gonna go those 75 miles through the wilderness with with no trails. You pick your own route. You know, you have to have a a map and and a, and know how to use it. Um, and then we, you would tend to tend to get up high and spend most of your time up on 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 glaciated terrain or at least above treeline. Yeah. Um, and so this is, you know, this is this is acute, piercing beauty, and uh, and very remote wilderness. I've been on a, I've been on quite a few of these trips where I never see another human being at all. Um, you might see them for the first couple of miles by the one car, and then for the last couple of miles by the other car, and then fifty miles of nothing. Yeah. In, the, in the in the middle um but it 
basically these trips are kind of taking all of the skills that I've spent a lifetime, you know, learning and accumulating and then applying them. Uh, so we're not doing any, uh, we're not doing any extremely difficult rock climbing or anything like that, but we'll, we'll climb some low fifth class uh, peaks and, and then you're using all your glacier travel skills and hopefully not using crevasse rescue skills, but you <laughs> have to have yeah. them and, and, and know them in case. And then most certainly, uh, very heavy on the navigation and then the the problem with a lot of these things is there's no bailout points um, so most of the roads in the cascades run uh, west to east just it's just the orientation of the way the the way the mountains uh, are um, so you park at one road up north and then you're going to another road down south and and uh, very often there's a there's a crux section where uh, so for example on one particular traverse there's a there's a, a class five rock climb um, up to a up to the top of a ridge line, and then there's an overhanging rappel on the backside. And so once you make that rappel, that's it. You can't you can't go back the way you came. No. Uh, the only way out is forward. And and very often there's no there's no bailouts either. You know, so these are these are predominantly north to south or south to north uh, traverses. Um, occasionally you know you could take off to the east or the west down a river valley but more often than not it would it would be worse than you know the actual route that you're on anyway so the commitment level is extremely high on a lot of these things um it, and it, it takes a 10 mile day off trail is is equivalent to about a 30 mile day on trail just in terms of caloric output and and all the rest so you're yeah. you know you're you're doing 12 to 14 hour days to go eight or nine miles um and you get out there in the middle of all that and you know you're 26 miles into a 52 mile traverse and there's no bailouts and something happens you know whatever it might be a sprained ankle or the weather goes bad we had a, a particular trip that we were a, a trio of us were on and and the weather went exceptionally bad um, and the wheels kind of came off the proverbial bus we had a uh one of us did have a uh, a satellite navigation device uh uh with you know with, with sos capabilities for just in case and from that we were able to receive uh updated uh, weather forecast from the national weather service and we had like a 72 hour window where we were expecting heavy wintry mix um this is july but we're in the temps are in the 30s and it's fluctuating oh. between it's fluctuating between freezing rain and and snow and sleet and we're getting hammered with heavy winds. We are three days into a five-day traverse. We only have three days worth of food left. It's going to take us two days to get out. And the weather service is calling for three solid days of really severe, terrible weather. And you're just, you don't have any, there's no option that's the good option. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we ended up, ended up. I ended up pushing on that one particular day. This was on the Ptarmigan Traverse, by the way. It's a, a, a very well-known uh, mountaineering route. Um, actually, out, Outside Magazine wrote up an article about it a couple of years ago called it the, the Most Beautiful Mountaineering Traverse in North America. Hmm. Uh, it is acutely beautiful, but it, it's acutely nasty when the weather turns bad. But uh, yeah, we got caught in a heavy, heavy winds and rain. Um, we were going up and over the Dana Glacier that day. Uh, before uh, leaving, leaving White Rock Lakes, headed for Cub Lake, uh, there near, right near Dome Peak, and uh, it was raining, just absolute downpour, pouring rain. Um, uh, some of the spot forecasts that we ended up looking at that NOAA 
had put out were saying that five to eight inches of rain fell fell in various places just during a 24-hour period and the winds were 50 sustained and we were occasionally getting gusts that had to have been around 70 or 80 because they were pinning us down we would we're all roped together climbing climbing a glaciated pass um, i couldn't i couldn't see brandon at all in the front and half the time i couldn't see megan in the middle so i just watched the rope disappear into nothingness <laughs> i'm just following the rope and, and, and uh, brandon he's a guide like so he, he's yeah he's he's, he's a guide by, by by training he's actually yeah. ifmga certified so he can guide anywhere in the world but but uh yeah he said it was the worst worst situation <laughs> he's ever been in with a client um, yeah and uh it was a uh, it was bad um and uh yeah temps were probably i don't know mid 30s it was just warm enough to be rain and we're you know five to eight inches of rain fell and we're getting hammered with hurricane force winds everything is soaked uh i got really severely cold scary cold i was definitely crossing from stage one into stage two hypothermia and it was a it was a dire situation um yeah there were there were rivers pouring down out of the cirque uh at one point in time as we're up there in the top getting ready to drop off the backside we're in this like mile wide glaciated cirque and all the water that is falling on the glacier is being funneled through this one spot and we have to cross it and we literally like scraped the snow off to reveal like bare glacier ice ran an ice crew down into the blue ice and then set up a belay and then we crossed a basically just a river that was tearing down off the glacier in about thigh deep water um over to the other side and then run another ice crew in and then belay you know belay the group across but but uh and then there were a bunch more really scary river crossings on the way out yeah it was a it was the one time in the mountains that i you know i thought that there's a real legitimate chance i could die out here but man yeah and and we read about this stuff all the time hear stories on the internet uh, articles of of happened to me (laughs) yeah and then like that's just crazy you know it just goes i think we've already talked about it that Every time you step on the trail, man, you can't take yeah. anything for granted. Megan got really mad that day. <laughs> oh, I'm surprised she still talks to you. <laughs> she didn't want, she was not interested in even going for a day hike for a good six months after that incident. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah and, and like, like you said, like you get to a point, you can't go back. I can't, yeah. I can't go to this trailhead and just yeah. get some help. It's you got to just keep going. Once we got soaking wet and the weather was that bad and the wind, of course, when when you're wet and it's windy, that's just, that is a terrible, terrible, terrible combination. I think I read somewhere that you lose heat 30 times faster than you do um, when you're both, when it's both wet and windy, like it's a, it's a, it's a, and so at that point in time, you now you're in a situation where you can't stop either. Because the only thing, the only thing that is maintaining your your body heat from things really spiraling out of control is your movement and the yeah. you know the heat you're generating by exercising. So it was a it was a really a really scary situation. So you're not just mean when you hike and tell us no resting. Let's go. <laughs> it's there, there's a reason behind it. <laughs> yeah, there's there was no resting that day. I think we were yeah we were on the move for four or five hours without stopping at all. And I remember you telling me that. I guess you were belaying Brandon across one of those glaciated river washes. Yeah. And he just said, if I slip and go, just let me go. 
yeah, it was a, it was a, a river. It wasn't even normally a river there, but because of the extreme rainfall there was, and it was, this was just, this was just polished granite. So this is where the, you know, a hundred years ago, a glacier had been there and yeah. had ca carved all that granite smooth. And then the, you know, the recession of the glaciers over the last bunch of decades is, uh, just leaves these patches of, of smooth granite that are often, you know, thousand or even 2000 feet high. Um, they might be, you know, 20 degrees, 30 degrees. Um, it's real common in the North Cascades, but, uh, we had to, there was a, a river that we had to, had to cross about waist deep, belly button deep. And, uh, there was just no way to rig up a, a belay that would, you know, that could kind of cover all of our options and all of our bases and all of our what ifs. And, and, uh, Brandon, he, we just kind of wrapped the rope around a boulder. And so that if he, if he slipped in, you know, that, that it would, it would hopefully hold him. But then there was a waterfall uh, beyond that where it went over a over a cliff. It just told me where Megan couldn't hear me, couldn't hear it. That it, you know, if it if he go if he falls in and I can't hold him and he starts to go over that, just just let it go. That's crazy. But yeah, it was a the wheels were definitely coming off of our bus <laughs> by that point in time. When you're on a hike and you just hear, just let it go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was not fun. No, but, uh, that was that ended up being one of those trips, though, that, you know, once you finally get home and decompress and and get warm again and you have a few weeks to think about it, it's it's uh, it's what we call type two fun, I guess. Yeah, no. And I, and I definitely I know we talked about it before the podcast started, like, you know, the stories that you have. I, I just I love them and I, I want to have just an episode of John's stories because <laughs> they're <laughs> awesome. I mean, like the experience, the stuff that you learn from them. I mean, it, it's incredible. Yeah. Well, I want to first off, I'm going to probably wrap this up because I know you're busy. But again, you know, uh, starting this Endeavor podcast and stuff, there's outside of Lori, there's there's no one else that I would have wanted to have as one of the first guests. I'm honored that that, you know, that we were able to do this. And um, yeah, I just want to thank you for for taking the the, the time. I think we're at a, about an hour and, and for out of your day and, and, and joining this new hobby of mine. And um, we definitely uh, need to get out on the trails together for sure. Oh, 100%, brother. I'm, I'm honored to be on here and to, and to talk with you. Um, feels completely normal. <laughs> just basically having a conversation just like we would anyway. Yeah, um, yep, for but, sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I would uh, anywhere, whether Texas or something else up here in Washington or and we are maybe maybe someplace new to both of us. Yeah, yeah. When we are talking about heading up, I think, spring break. So I'll definitely let you know. Oh, okay. Okay. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining the podcast. Uh, episode two is in the books. Um, we look to probably be putting this out um, Monday. What's today? The I don't have a... I think it's the 16th or the 17th is today. Yeah, 17th. So it'll be... So the 22nd so we'll be dropping. And um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day.